Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Tammy Melchin as we conclude the series, Awaken. If you'd like prayer, simply text PRAY to 630-793-6399. Our prayer team is standing by and ready to pray for you. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Sometimes we see things that aren't really there. Now, I'm not talking about that little kid from the sixth sense. I'm talking about how our brains can look at everyday objects and see an image that isn't really meant to be there. For example, take a look at this church. Anyone else see a bird in this architectural design? Like maybe they use chicken nuggets for communion? Or what if you came across this garbage can in a parking lot? It's Barney Rubble, am I right? I'm not the only one who sees that, am I? Or what if you sliced open a green pepper and found this? Now, some of you with tender hearts would feel just awful that you caused this guy's terror. There's actually a name for this psychological phenomenon of seeing a random image as something significant. It's called pareidolia. And the word is derived from, from the Greek words meaning para, meaning something faulty, and the noun eidolon, meaning image. It's a faulty image. We see something that isn't really there. However, I think most of us experience the opposite of pareidolia even more frequently. Rather than seeing something that isn't there, we fail to see something that is actually right in front of us. And no, this isn't meant to be a dig at all the husbands out there who can't find the ketchup bottle in the refrigerator. To illustrate what I'm talking about today, let's try this. I want you to take a look at this messy bathroom and see if you can spot the toothbrush. All right, how many of you saw it right here? But let me ask you and be honest, how many of you failed to see the toothbrush here? Most people will quickly spot the toothbrush on the front of the counter but will take longer or even fail to find the much bigger one behind it. The oversight is mostly due to scale. People tend to miss the large toothbrush because they don't expect to see a large toothbrush in an ordinary bathroom. Commenting on this phenomenon, cognitive psychologist Christopher Chabri says, what we pay attention to is largely determined by our expectations of what should be present. Without expecting something, we're unlikely to pay attention to it. And when we are not paying attention to something, we are surprisingly likely to not see it. What we see is largely determined by our expectations. What we don't expect to see, we're likely not to see. And this raises a question I want us to wrestle with today. What realities are we missing? What realities are we missing because we are not expecting to see them? Perhaps we need to awaken to a new perspective. Today, we are concluding our series, Awaken. And during this series, we've been asking God to awaken us so that we don't drift through this year in some kind of mindless or haphazard way. We wanna be intentional about hearing from God and following Him as He leads us into the days and weeks and months ahead. 
It's one of the reasons we joined together to start this year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. In fact, our time of prayer and fasting ends today. If you've been part of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, go ahead and raise your arms in victory. We made it. Now, if you're like me, I always look forward to this annual tradition, but I also look forward to it being completed. (laughs) So well done, everyone. Well, this year during our fast, we encourage one another to focus on our mission, helping people find their way back to God. It's our shared mission. It's the reason that we exist as a community. It's the calling that God has placed on us as a people. And in order to carry out this mission, during this series, we've asked God to awaken us to people so that we might recognize and respond to the the people that he's putting in our path. And we've prayed, God, awaken us to your presence. We want to let go of the distractions so that we can lean into intimacy with him. We've also said, God, awaken us to your purpose. Help us to be a blessing in the places that we've been sent. And last week we prayed, awaken us to your power. God has entrusted us with a big responsibility, but he's also empowered us to carry it out. Now, as we conclude our series today, we need to talk about one more awakening. We need to ask God to awaken us to your perspective, to see reality the way that Jesus sees it. And to explore this awakening, let's turn back to Luke chapter 10. Now, during this series, we've been in Luke 10, where Jesus sent out 72 people to the surrounding towns and villages. And he sent them out to heal the sick and and proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God had come near. As we come to verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And they are excited. They were sent on a mission and they returned with stories of all that they had seen God do. Blind people could now see, lame people could now walk, and right and left people were finding their way back to God. Well, after listening to their good report, Jesus responds with some some pretty weird stuff. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. All right, maybe this is a little bit more like the sixth sense than I realized. If I had been one of the 72, Jesus' response might have made me go, what? I'm not sure I would have understood what he was talking about with all this talk of snakes and and scorpions. Well, Jesus continues. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All right, a lot of confusing stuff in that response. But one thing is clear, Jesus is excited. He's described as as full of joy. Now, some translations say that he rejoiced greatly, but I'm not sure either phrase really captures the intensity of Jesus' excitement. The Greek word here means to be exuberant. Maybe picture Jesus like an excited fan at a football game or someone who just won the lottery. Jesus is overjoyed. In fact, this is the only time in the Bible where we're told Jesus displayed this level 
of excitement. So what made Jesus respond to the 72 with this level of exuberance? What did he see that we need to see? Well, first, Jesus sees the enemy losing ground. When he talks of Satan falling from heaven, he's speaking to realities that are, that are greater than what we can see with our eyes. For Jesus knows that there is a spiritual battle raging all around us. He knows that there are evil forces at work in our world seeking to stop people from finding their way back to God, spiritual beings who are actively working to undermine God's will and resist his kingdom. We don't have to look far to see the wake of their destructive power in our culture or even in our own lives. However, in our day-to-day living, we often forget that more is at work in the world around us than meets the eye. In the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, he reminds us, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. These enemies are not human. They are not flesh and blood. They are entirely spiritual in nature, although they exercise their power and authority through the physical, relational, and systemic structures of our world. Jesus is so full of joy when his 72 disciples return with their good report because he sees a victory in the spiritual realm. Jesus is saying, I see a shift in the spiritual realities around us because of what you are doing. I have watched Satan lose ground. There has been a decisive turning point in the battle between good and evil. When he talks about snakes and scorpions, He's saying that these evil forces are like snakes and scorpions, but his followers will be protected from them because God's power is the greater power. God works through followers of Jesus to destroy the work of the enemy and to bring God's intended shalom, his his wholeness to the world. Jesus has a perspective on what is happening in this world that we need to awaken to. Scholar N.T. Wright tries to help us understand this by comparing it to a military battle. He says, in most major conflicts, of course, hardly any frontline soldiers know very much about the rest of the war. That's the job of the generals. But at least they know that something is going on and that their bit is a part of that larger whole. That's the perspective that every Christian needs to maintain as we hold our bit of the line against attack. We need to awaken to the spiritual realities around us so that we can hold our bit of the line. We can't fight the real enemy if we don't even recognize his existence. Now, I know some of us are experiencing these spiritual battles in very real ways. Or maybe you clearly see these powers at work, bringing destruction in the lives of of other people around you. But I also know that others of us might be taken a a little off guard that there is a struggle against spiritual forces at all. Some of us live our lives mistakenly thinking that, that all there is to the conflicts and the evil that we see around us is flesh and blood. And with all we've been through in this past year of our lives, it can be easy to lose the bigger perspective and just fight each other. When we live with this limited perspective of our struggles, 
it may never occur to us that what we see, what we are going through, might be part of a, a larger campaign. It's like seeing the small toothbrush and missing the bigger one. We need to awaken to Jesus's perspective. And when we do, we can also realize that we don't have to be afraid. In this passage from Ephesians that we read earlier, Paul goes on and he gives us this charge. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, stand. Jesus is excited because that's what he sees his followers doing in Luke chapter 10. And we are called to do the same. Through prayer and mission, we are able to not just resist the enemy, but actually gain ground for the kingdom of God. And that is exactly what has been happening over these last 21 days. As we've engaged in prayer and fasting as a church, it's not just physical realities we're seeking to change. It's spiritual realities. Even if you don't feel like anything happened during your 21 days, Jesus says things are happening in the spiritual realm. You are holding your bit of the line. You are standing strong and pushing back against the destructive powers of the enemy with the redemptive power of God. Jesus sees the things we tend to miss. There is a real spiritual battle going on. There are spiritual rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm opposed to Jesus and his mission. We need to awaken to these spiritual realities so that we can join Jesus in fighting against them. So the first reason Jesus is excited is because he sees changes in the spiritual realm. But there's a second reason that gives him an even greater reason to rejoice. He says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus gets excited because people are finding their way back to God. He not only sees the bigger picture of the spiritual battle going on around us, he also sees that eternities are being altered through the work of the 72. His ultimate joy is anchored in people finding their way back to God. And this is why advancing the Jesus mission is so important. Friends, it's why living out the blessed practices that we've been talking about in this series is so important. Eternity hangs in the balance. And realize when Jesus talks about heaven, he isn't just talking about an existence we will have after we die. He's talking about a life that we are meant to live right now. It's an eternal, eternal quality of life filled with, with love and joy and peace and goodness. A life of hope, both for today and all our tomorrows. That's why Jesus gets so excited. A few chapters later in Luke, he reminds us, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. To help us experience the joy that Jesus feels when a person finds their way back to God, I wanna share a story with you. I think it's probably not unlike one of the stories the 72 shared with Jesus on that day when they returned with their good report. May we experience Jesus's joy as Frank Johnson 
shares his story. Hi, I'm Frank Johnson, and I've been attending Community in Lincoln Square for about a year now. So I grew up in the church. I believed in Jesus Christ. I believed in God. But as I got into my adult years, I started to have a hard time making things work in my head. I'm a student of history, and I really started to question whether this whole Christianity thing really did happen, or was it more of a myth? Really, at the end of the day, I was an atheist. A couple years ago, I was uh, at my mother's house in Florida visiting, and uh, she told me that she was worried for my soul. And I said, well, Mom, you know, quite frankly, I'd prefer to believe, but I just couldn't make it work in my head no matter how hard I tried. About 12 years ago, I uh, received a big promotion at work. Due to that promotion, my stress leveling and anxiety level skyrocketed. I was eventually prescribed Ambien, which is a sleep aid. For the last 12 years, Ambien was the driving factor of my life. I always needed to make sure I had that pill available to me so I could sleep at night. And then COVID hit and um, Ambien became in short supply. I decided that, you know what, now's the time to quit it because I can't get a hold of it. One of the side effects of, ironically, of quitting Ambien is you cannot sleep. One of my random thoughts one evening was, God, I don't know if you exist. Can you give me a sign? The next morning I woke up and my wife asked how it went. She said, you know, you really should start reading regular books. The blue light in the iPad interferes with your sleep patterns. You really should read a paper book. So she uh, walked away and brought a book back, one that I didn't even know we had. And it was a book that my mother had given me. And I opened the book and the very first page in the book stated very specifically, this is not a spiritual book like the gospels. This is a historical count of the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus. And when I saw that, I was blown away. That is almost exactly what I had asked for the night before. God had spoken to me through those words. He was answering my request. I can't tell you the joy I had. Gave the news to my mother and over the, the course of the next few days, you know, she told me that, you know, it's important that you get to be involved in a church because you need to do something that involves a community of followers, not just you yourself. You know, I've been praying the Lord's Prayer, but not fully understanding the Lord's Prayer and really not understanding if I was praying right. I didn't really even know what praying was, what that meant. So I asked God, I'm like, God, can you help me? Give me an idea of what the Lord's Prayer means and how am I doing this? Am I doing this effectively? So the next morning, I was going through the community catalog and came up across the one called Pray Like This, which is exactly what I had asked for the night before. Not only was it something that was gonna help me learn how to pray, but how to pray the Lord's Prayer. Right then and there, I knew that community was my home. Immediately got involved, I, I, I met with Mitchell. We had a great conversation and um, one of the things Mitchell told me about was uh, read Luke 15. Uh, Luke 15 will kind of give you a good example of what the purpose of our church is, what the purpose of community is. And I bought a new Bible uh, that week. This is the first time I opened the Bible that morning. And what page did I open it to? The exact page where Luke 15 was. It was God yet again talking to me. And also through uh, my conversations with Mitchell, uh, I found out about the Alpha program. I really got so much out of uh, Alpha. I've also attended uh, many other small groups. I've gotten so much out of them. I'm still a, a regular small group attendee. My life has changed completely 
and it's something that my entire family has noticed and quite frankly appreciates. I'm so thankful for this community and I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for helping me find my way back to God. You've changed my life forever. Thank you. I had the opportunity to get to know Frank a little when he was in an online small group that I led this past fall. And it was a joy week after week to hear how God was at work in his life. In fact, one of the group members texted me after one of our gatherings and said, Frank is the MVP of this group. And that joy felt like it culminated when several of us got to log in to Zoom to watch Frank be baptized at our Lincoln Square location. Baptism is such a powerful picture of a person finding their way back to God and declaring their allegiance to King Jesus. As they go down under the water, the old person dies. And as they come up, a new eternal life begins. That's one of the reasons we make such a big deal out of baptisms at our church. We get excited about them because Jesus is excited about them. Every time someone gets baptized, the enemy loses ground. Every time someone gets baptized, there is rejoicing in heaven. Maybe baptism is a decision that you need to make. We have an online baptism class every month where you can learn more. And I'd encourage you to visit communitychristian.info right now, today, to find out more information. And for all of us, we often hear, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. But do we ever pray, Lord, excite my heart for what excites yours? Let's ask God to awaken us to his perspective, to give us new eyes, to see what he sees. In fact, I wanna ask you to say this week's prayer of awaken with me out loud right now. Let's pray this together. Lord, awaken us to your perspective and excite our hearts for what excites yours. May we see with Jesus's eyes, eyes that don't see faces and buildings, but see the image of God in every person we meet so that we can engage in the fight to restore God's dream for the world and so that we can celebrate with him as people find their way back to God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for your power that is greater than any other power in this world. I pray that as we move forward from this time and place, that you would awaken us so that we will see our world, our lives, everything that happens around us through Jesus's eyes. We praise you that we know that your power is greater than anything, any other power or principality in this world. And so we put our faith, our trust, and our hope in you. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for your perspective. May we see with your eyes. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.